Um, yes, I think so. Um, if we track the developments since uh, Russia launched um, its its invasion into Ukraine, we've seen, as I've mentioned uh, before, mm. the the large uh, focus on military acquisition. And even the statements by both uh, Zelensky and, and Putin have been very um, uh, charged on, on aggression and war and fighting um, to advance their own interests and, and so on. So they're quite um, on, on polar sides at the moment. And again, the agreements um, is, is where they both differ on. Mm. And so the challenge will be how do they come um, to the table and and agree on these issues that that divide them okay and mm. so um when one starts with so much focus on um military action and so on is is there a possibility to turn the tide um and become more diplomatic and i think this is where we see actors like israel trying to begin that process <sighs> Uh, Vladimir Putin was speaking to a group of flight attendants at uh, an Aeroflot training center near Moscow. The uh, airline, of course, has been heavily hit by sanctions as well. And he he said, and I quote, the sanctions that are being imposed are akin to a declaration of war. But thank God it has not come to that. He is once again reiterated also that the imposition of a no-fly zone by NATO or any European country or any outside force for that matter will be met with catastrophic consequences. These words appear to be daring the West to become more involved militarily. Yes, um, and, I, and I think for, for Putin, it's, it's very clear that he wants to be um, very vocal mm. on, on what he's expecting from from other countries apart from Ukraine. And I think this speaks to um, the need for for NATO, the West, to be quite cautious um, on how they approach this crisis. And this is why there's been a huge resistance to put NATO troops on the ground Mm. to institute a no-fly air zone because there's a nuclear war. The potentiality of a nuclear war and the devastation that it could cause Um, remains. Mm. And so this is a very particular type of conflict where um, further escalation, um, potential nuclear war could be devastating. And so the the steps by NATO, by the West, has to be very uh, well thought out, has to be um, very careful in order to avoid this. And And I think his statements are to prevent any kind of action by NATO to perhaps institute a no-fly zone yeah. or, or trigger um, a nuclear war. So he seems ultimately convinced that the Western world simply won't call his bluff for fear of that full-scale war, war that you talk of. Now, w- would he be correct? Yes, yes, I think I think so. And, and the actions by the Western countries, by NATO, has shown it. Yes, they've provided um, military support, they've provided ammunition, and so on and so forth. But this is something that I don't think NATO wants to even toy with or play with. Because even his, his um, la- the large-scale attack of Russia, right, mm. um, into Ukraine, there was a bit of um, uncertainty of, would it happen, will it not, and so on and so on. And it did, you know, and it's having huge um, impact on Ukraine and the region. And so with, with, with somebody who, uh, like Putin who has mentioned these words of of um um nuclear um arsenal or alerts being instituted who has made comments about um 
moving into Ukraine, these are not empty threats, mm. right? These are threats that need to be re- um, respected and, and listened to. Dr. Tango, I want to move away from the premise of invasion being demilitarizing and denazifying. What, what is interesting to me is, is while there's been a lack of progress in advancing on Kiev, the progress with areas controlled by Russia seems to be to be putting the, to the east of it a line of control from, from Sumy all the way to Odessa in, in the southwest, which, which then contains one of the largest gas pipelines that runs from Russia to the rest of Europe via Ukraine. It's almost as if this invasion wants to secure complete control of this pipeline. Yes, I think when we look at the the rationale for war and why war occurs, um, it's usually to take control of key economic security um, sites and so on. And I think even with regards to the um, letting of the creation of humanitarian exit zones for civilians, we see that Russia is still advancing, Mm. right? Russia taking control of key sites and so on. And so this is potentially one of the end goals um, for Russia as well. So this is, in my opinion, very well thought out, well uh, planned invasion with with an end goal. The the larger European context here now, and I see Finland, which shares a border with Russia and became an EU member in 1995. In, in, in his New Year's address, Finnish President Sauli Ninisto reiterated Finland's right to fully join NATO. That was at the end of last year. They, they have, in fact, been treading that path over the past decade in any case. This current quagmire, as is evidenced by Russia's invasion of Ukraine, is the clearest sign that Europe's security architecture, its geopolitics is changing. And and Vladimir Putin will say to the detriment of Russia. Why will Russian Putin simply not accept this trend to continue? Um, I think it goes back to history. It goes back to the USSR and its control of of a large portion of, of the region. And so those... Many argue that those intentions are still there. Those intentions are still there. And thus, this is one of the underlying reasons why Russia has moved into Ukraine. And so it it potentially sees other countries that are interested in NATO, that are engaging with NATO and the West on various issues um, as a potential threat. And so it's it's sort of watching its own borders, but being aware of the existential threat that exists around it. And so yes, it's 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 an evolving um, geopolitical um, um, situation, but it's it's almost Russia saying, well, let's protect um, our borders, let's protect ourselves, let's try and extend our reach before it's too late to do so. Mm. Finally, th- this humanitarian corridor for which the ceasefire was declared it lasted a couple of hours before Russian shelling continued and the fighting between the two forces continued. I, I-, I-, I dare say if-, if this is a humanitarian corridor that is meant to be controlled by the two warring factions, that, that any possibility of a broader humanitarian corridor, which potentially could also be involving the West, the rest of Europe, is simply not going to fly with Vladimir Putin. So I I, I would like to know if you could speak with Volodymyr Zelensky ahead of the talks, which we are told will happen as of tomorrow. How do you advise him politically to negotiate with Putin right now? Yeah, um, I think it's important to be diplomatic 
Um, I think it is important to put the interests of the Ukrainian citizens um, in focus because war many times affects those who are not at the decision-making table. War affects those who are not able to, to give their, their voice in, in formal uh, negotiation settings. So I think it's important to embrace diplomacy. It's important to put the interest of Ukrainian citizens and their um, safety um, on the table. And yeah, it's negotiation on, on a very contentious and long-standing issue like this is not, it's not an overnight mm. thing, right? It takes time, it takes process, it takes going back and forth. And so patience is needed, but I think most importantly, the rhetoric, the speeches, the, the actions must, must show that he's willing to, to find a, a peaceful resolution um, to this to this conflict, and I think this this goes as well for for Putin as well okay. as as key political actors. It is important to take into account the, the the citizens, the safety and security of citizens. Embrace diplomacy and and come to a, a peaceful resolution. Um, and perhaps be willing to to budge, be willing to make some concessions and 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 so on for the peace of the region. That was senior politics lecturer at the University of KwaZulu-Natal. Clear, concise, cogent Dr. Dorcas Etang. Thank you so much for your time.